0: Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: Uh, good evening and welcome to the Bible, uh, Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, September the 4th, 2014. We welcome you, Jeff, is the volume okay? All right. My name is Greg Gwynn. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As you see, I'm not in my normal seat. I'm sitting in Jacob's chair. He's out of out of pocket tonight. Sitting in my chair to help tonight is Monty Overton. Monty, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study.
2: Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here.
1: And we've got Jeff running the board again for us tonight. Jeff, thanks for being on board. All right, so uh, we are going to talk about a subject tonight, Monty, that I hope will be interesting. Uh, It should be important to us. Tonight we want to talk about salvation, about the things God has made available to us in order to be right with him. And there are a number of words that are used in the New Testament to describe what God has accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. And uh, those words are sometimes not just everyday kind of words.
2: Well, not being everyday common usage words, we may not necessarily understand what those words mean or have an accurate understanding of them. So it's good tonight that we can study them so we can understand what God has done for us accurately using the words that have been given to us.
1: Yeah, we, we want to talk about words that some people might refer to as sort of church words or yeah. words that, are, that you only hear when you go to church. And that's somewhat unfortunate because... These words convey very significant meanings that really describe the blessings that God has made available to us uh, through his eternal plan for our spiritual well-being. And so uh, it's not a controversial subject, but we hope it's an important subject that we can all gain some uh, deeper appreciation for God's blessings to us. We've we got a number of words that we want to describe. We sent those out earlier today to our update list. We always remind you if you're not on our update list, you can be by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list and we will do that. Um, today, earlier today to our update list, we sent out an email just asking you to define and give some comment about the significance of several words that we want to discuss tonight. We're going to start out by talking about salvation or the word saved. And then we're going to talk about atonement, justification, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, forgiveness, and I think we'll also probably get to the word sanctification. All of those are important words, and they all have to do with our uh, eternity. You know, I was thinking, it's sort of like if you listen to a weatherman, and he said, it's hot, it's humid, the temperatures are above seasonal normals, uh, thunderstorms are a potential, uh, you know, it, it, he gives several. He gives several different terminologies. Uh, we're under a high pressure ridge. Uh, all that. Those are not contradictory expressions. Th- those are all uh, supplemental concepts about to, to convey to you the overall picture of the weather.
2: Well, they tend to complement each other. They each build on the other and help you get a whole complete picture of what he's saying the weather should be.
1: Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about here. We've got a number of words. They they overlap to some degree, but they also give different shades of meaning so that we get the, the broad picture about what God is doing for us to affect our eternity. So we're going to start out. Uh, the, the first of the words is the very simple one. We said we, we, tend, we to our email list today, we sent out uh, and just said, uh, we're going to talk about words describing our salvation. And the first one is just that, the word salvation. By the way, we want you to participate in our discussion tonight. You can do that by give us a call at toll free 877-381-4567. You can send us an email. We'll try to watch our email uh, inbox as the program goes along or get into the chat room and join there and make comments. We'll try to we'll try to observe and uh, comment about the things that are in the chat room as our program goes along too. So we always think our program is better if you participate, so join in. Uh, in any of those ways, or uh, use more than one way if you like. We'd be glad to hear from you tonight. The idea of saved or salvation, Monty, I might say you saved me. I could have lots of things in mind. I could I could maybe be talking about the fact that you found a good bargain at the store and you told me about it, and so you saved me some money because you told me about a, a good deal at the store That would be one way you could use the word "saved." Not too, you know. That's that's we like that, but that's not all. That
2: it's not as important. Not
1: as important. But if I said you saved my life, you know, maybe uh, we were in a boat and it tipped over and and I was about to drown and you snatched me out of the water. You saved me. The idea of that is to rescue someone or to put someone in a safe position, and that's the way we're talking about when we talk about salvation biblically.
2: Yeah, because God, through the plan, His eternal plan of salvation for us, knew that we were going to fall. We didn't have to, but He knew that we would. And so because we failed, because we sinned, we were in jeopardy of being eternally lost or, or through eternal death, as the Bible describes it. And so God put a plan in, pla- in place so that we could be saved or have salvation from that desperate situation that we were
1: in. Yeah, and... and- <clears throat> In, in regards to the, the biblical notion of salvation, it's not you saved me some money, which I, I could have done without it. In other words, I like it when I save money. And when you told me about this deal at the store, it saved me some money. And I like that, but it, it wouldn't have been the end of all time Mm-mm. if I didn't get in on there that. There no laughter
2: in situation. Yeah.
1: But when I was drowning and you pulled me out of the water, that was...
2: That was either
1: or. That's, e- that's either or yeah. kind of a deal. And that's what we're talking about with salvation that God has extended to us. Uh, used the, the, that notion, uh, rescue or put in a safe or, uh, position or safety, the word saved is used 57 times in the New Testament. The word salvation is used 45 times in the New Testament. And so obviously we've got an important theme there.
2: Yeah, if, if God saw fit to... To use that word or the word that's been translated that that many times, it must have been very important. Because if he had just said it once, it made it very important. Yeah. But to have used it roughly a hundred times, it was incredibly important.
1: Exactly. Uh, look at a few verses where we find the term. I mean, I, all of us, uh, everyone who's listening, is familiar with the, the concept of salvation. It's again used frequently. Acts four twelve. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The context of that in Acts 4, of course, is talking about Jesus. And so salvation is only available through Jesus. This salvation has been extended. This rescue that God has, has provided for us from this eternally life-threatening situation is only available through Jesus. My, that's not a very political correct position to be taken in the world today.
2: I don't think we pretend to be a politically correct <laughs> program.
1: Yeah. When we, when we mention that, when we say salvation, to be made safe, is only available through Jesus, we're excluding the majority of the world's population right a, there. A
2: huge majority.
1: Because we're going to exclude the Muslims and the Hindus and the Buddhists. Uh, we're going we're to exclude non-believing Jews. Uh, all of those are lost and they are not saved because they haven't come to faith in, in Jesus Christ.
2: And it's very clear when it says neither is there salvation in any other. I'm, all these others, they might be great, wonderful people. I'm not casting off on them as their quality or their character, but they're not believing in the what God said they had to believe in to be saved. They're not accepting what God said they had to do to be saved.
1: Now, we could go further and say it's not because they can't. It's not because God somehow preselected certain individuals and excluded others. Titus 2.11, here's the word salvation again. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The good news is that salvation, again, that idea is rescue, to be made safe. That is available to all.
2: Well, we're taught in the New Testament that God desires that all men be saved. So it's not that he selected some that he was willing to extend this opportunity to and, and left others out. He says, I want everybody to be saved. Yeah, but not everybody's going to be because they don't choose to be. Exactly. They don't avail themselves of the opportunity. It's just like you mentioned a minute ago. I could tell you about some real deal that was going to save you some money on some products you needed. Okay, you you know about the deal, but if you don't go buy it, you didn't save that money. You didn't okay. you didn't take advantage of the opportunity. And there's people in the world that choose not to take advantage of the opportunity to have their sins
1: corrected. Yeah, and I want to go to that uh, with with some other verses along that line. Money. Acts sixteen thirty. The, the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Notice, what must I do? That's the w- world's most important question, but the question itself suggests activity. What yep. must I do to be saved?
2: Well, he understood that he wasn't saved and that he needed saving, but he needed information so he could un- know what he had to do. Exactly. And with, he understood that without that information, he was going to be lost.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, though he were a son, talking about Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Notice, there's the word salvation, eternal salvation. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So the answer to that great question, what must I do to be saved? The answer in a word is you must be obedient. That's right. And Jesus is the author of salvation Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, to all them that obey him. Now, that, that obedience, we, you know, I, I, in thinking about this, money we don't go over what we often refer to as the plan of salvation very often on the virtual Bible study. And that's probably an oversight. We probably should mention it more than we do. But when, when we want to know what to do to be saved and we know that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him, then what is that that we should obey? Well, we, we summarize the plan of salvation simply by saying you must hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. Mark 16:16, 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so if I want to be saved, it's available to me, but I've got to take action. I've got to do something. I, I just can't sit back and assume it, it's going to be okay. Back to the analogy we were making earlier about uh, drowning in the river. The boat tips over and I'm drowning. And you throw me a life ring or a, a, a safety ring or of some kind. I've got to reach out and take that. I, I, you know, And if I don't, although it was available to me and I didn't take advantage of it, then I'm, I'm going to be lost.
2: You know, I heard a joke one time that kind of reminds me of that. Uh, it was talking about this guy, and there was a flood coming, and the sheriff came by and warned him, hey, there's a flood coming. You're living in the floodplain. plain. Uh, you need to evacuate now. Well, the guy didn't do it, and the water got up, and he couldn't get out, and the water finally got up on on his house, and a guy come by in a boat. and He was on the roof, and he said, hey, get in the boat. He said, no, God's going to take care of me. Well, then he went on further, and he was up tiptoeing on the top of the roof, just about to go under, and somebody come over with a helicopter and said, take hold of the rope, and, and we'll rescue you. And no, God's going to take care of me. When he died, he gets to judgment and says, God, I don't understand. I thought you'd take care of me. He said, I sent the sheriff and a guy in a boat and a helicopter. What more do you want? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing here. God's given us this information. He's given us the, the whole complete Bible, his complete revealed will to us, everything we need that pertains to salvation. But if we don't take advantage of it, we're just like the guy that wouldn't get, be rescued. He refused it. And so he was lost, drowned, and, and we'll be drowned in our sins
1: too. I think you're exactly right. <clears throat> I think you're exactly right. All right, we're going to go to a break uh, just a little bit earlier. We've We've talked about the very common word, the easy to understand notion of salvation or to be saved. We want to go to some that maybe are a little more obscure. For instance, the next one we want to talk about is the word atonement. We don't use that word very often. We read about it in our Bible, but we don't use it in normal conversation. We need to understand about atonement. And when we get back from this break, uh, we'll talk about that. Join us in the chat room. Give us a call, 877-381-4567, or send us an email. We look forward to hearing from you. We'll be back right after this break.
3: Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN,
0: it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that television magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8, W-S-I-N.
1: I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Many receive advice, but only the wise profit from it. The Bible does not need to be rewritten, but reread. A marriage may be made in heaven, but the maintenance must be done on earth. Live as if Christ died yesterday, arose this morning, and is coming back tomorrow. When you flee temptation, do not leave a forwarding address. Trouble is usually produced by those who don't produce anything else. An honest man alters his opinions to fit the truth, while a dishonest man alters the truth to fit his opinions. Think right, act right, it's what you think and do that makes you what you are. Eternity will be a long time to think about what you should have done. The best things in life are not things.
3: Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues.
1: And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We're talking tonight about words that describe our salvation, words that that explain the blessing that God has made available to mankind Uh, so that we can have eternity with him. Joining me on the Virtual Bible Study tonight is Monty Overton. Uh, Jacob is uh, away uh, tonight, and so we're trying to do our best without his technical and uh, and knowledgeable help. But we'll try to do the best we can. Jeff is running the board for us tonight, and so we're trying to make sure everything is working right and all the buttons are pushed. If you you have a problem, uh, send us a note in the chat room or send us an email. Give us a call. Uh, But especially, join in our discussion. We want to talk about the word atonement. Another one of those words that describes what God makes available to us is the word atonement. Now, if you were to look up a definition of atonement, it means to make amends for, to make reparations. Uh, Reparations are the idea of compensation for wrong done or injury caused. Money all the time. We see these ads for these lawyers who uh, say, if you've been injured in a car wreck, if a, especially if you've been hit by a big truck, they yeah. they, they all want they all There's want you. There's a your, billboard
2: down the street, especially advertising yeah. for the big truck wreck.
1: Yeah, and so uh, they they claim that you are owed reparations if 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 you've been injured or harmed in some way. That big truck company, they should make reparations to you. And what they mean by that is that you should be given compensation for the wrong that was done to you, okay? And so that's a more common word that we use today, reparations. But to make reparations, that is the definition of atonement. Now, ultimately, when it comes to spiritual matters, God is the one who's been wronged. We have wronged God and so atonement needs to be made, reparations, something, we, it needs to be made right with God to make amends for the wrongs that we've committed against Him.
2: You know, just like the person that runs into us and causes this accident, injures us, owes us some kind of compensation for that, we've injured God in effect. We've wronged God with the very first time we sinned, and every time we sinned after that, we have done something that meant we owed a debt to God to, to recompense Him or to atone to Him. For what we did wrong and the interesting part about that is there's no possible way we could ever make atonement for ourselves if if i lived a, after i only done one sin and lived a perfect life yeah. after that i have still ruined it for myself there's nothing i can do to fix it because
1: you the don't perfect have life to pay. is what i
2: owed god to begin with you don't have enough you i don't, don't have, have anything, to anything to
1: pay yeah yeah uh, the word atonement's used 80 times in the old testament and uh, the, the people were to make atonement. I'm reading from Leviticus chapter 1, beginning verse 2. He shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So in the Old Testament, under the, the system of law delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai, the blood of animals was required as an atonement. But that wasn't a perfect that wasn't a perfect situation. In the, in the New Testament, Book of Hebrews, it says uh, Hebrews 10 verse 1, beginning for the law having a shadow of good things to come can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there perfect for then they would not have for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin but in those sacrifices there's a remembrance again made of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins and so under the old testament system again this notion of atonement was a pretty common one and the and the, the, the children of Israel in the old testament knew that word and they knew what it meant and it means you need to bring a, a blood sacrifice for your sins Bring bring your animal and sacrifice your animal. But the problem was th- those sins weren't really completely eliminated. There was a remembrance of them every year. Gifts of blood had to be continually offered. And the Hebrew writer says plainly it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So something else had to come along, a better plan for our atonement. Again, remember atonement is the idea of making reparations for wrongs committed, I wronged you, therefore I have to pay you for the wrong I commit. Well, I we I wronged God, but as you said, money. The big problem is I I could bring a, a, a limitless. Line, I mean, I could get all the animals in the world and bring. We could them.
2: hunt down every cow that ever lived and, uh, and uh, make it a sacrifice, yeah. and it's not fixed anything. It's, it's, it's not, not not enough. It's not the value that God required yeah. as to get this situation corrected.
1: So. Since we couldn't we couldn't do anything, it's amazing that God provided the sacrifice for our atonement. In you know, it really own.
2: demonstrates His love toward us, and that we're the one that done wrong. But He said, "I love you so much. I'm going to fix this for uh, you. I'll make the payment that you can't pay, yeah. and I'll do it for you." Uh,
1: we've got the perfect solution in Jesus Christ. Romans five eleven, Romans five eleven says, "We also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement." Interestingly, that's the only place in the New Testament where the word atonement is found. It's found a lot in the Old Testament, 80 times or more. It's only found once in the New Testament here in Romans 5, verse 11. But notice, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by him we now have received the atonement. And so, again, the price that we couldn't pay has been paid for us. God paid it with the blood of his own son.
2: That's really, right.
1: I mean, that's, that's incredible.
2: You know, and as we read about the Old Testament here, as it said in Hebrews, it was a shadow of things to come. This this offering of bu- bu- blood of bulls and goats as it referred to it was just to symbolizing what God was going to do for us. It was to show the high price. Because you've stopped and think about it. Uh, at today's price is a a, a, cow, a calf in the first year, you know, a, a good size one to bring a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars.
1: Well I hope so. I'm going to try to sell some soon. Well I hope you can get that for <laughs> me.
2: but you know that to me that's a lot of money. That there's a great value on that to us. Well these people had to take these animals out of their herd, had to give that value, so to speak annually in order to atone for their sins, plus other things that they had to do. That was just one of the things they had to do. But that was a, to symbolize or as a shout or to show forth that what God was planning on to do, what he required in order to take care of this situation for us, and that he was the one going to take care of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've kind of messed up here. I didn't. I had a couple of email responses I should have mentioned on that first point about salvation. We'll, we won't backtrack. Uh, Ramona in Texas has sent... Um, a long list of verses that suggest the idea of atonement. It's a, more than a page long, so we won't take time to read all those. But she's obviously was well, actually two pages long. She's <clears throat> done a lot of work there, finding references to atonement. Uh, Chris in England has sent in and said concerning atonement to cover, not merely to conceal, um, uh, but like maybe like whiteout. He says in the U.S. They call it something else in England. He says, uh, impose it on something to change its appearance. It's used at times to signify the writing over of a contract or the preparation of wood with a stain such as pitch to make it waterproof. Its significance is that our old agreement is done over. His wrath is appeased. We've been proofed from further judgment. Uh, So, uh, again, I think he's conveying the same idea, the idea of, making it right, the wrong that we have committed. That is the idea of atonement, and that's an important Bible word, to make reparation. Uh, we owe God for the wrong that we did against him. The only re- only problem, we don't have anything to pay, but God provided that sacrifice through the blood of his own son. All right, I think we've got time to pick up one more word here, uh, Monty. Let's talk about the word justification the, uh, so we've talked about salvation, atonement. Now justification is another word, an important Bible word describing our situation before God. Justification, a synonym of justification, interestingly, is the word acquittal. And the idea is to release or discharge from a fault or a crime, to pronounce not guilty, to discharge an obligation or a debt to be set right. Right. I thought that was kind of interesting to be set right. You know, um, when we when we do typing on a computer, we used to do typing on a typewriter. And when when we would make a, maybe a church bulletin, we always wanted our columns to be straight on both edges. No words. You're obviously going to have a straight left-hand mm-hmm. margin, but the words are different lengths. And they run out here, and you've got a jagged edge over here at the right. And so we, we went to some effort. Now the computer does it for us automatically. We had some effort to what they call right justify that column so that the column was not only straight on the left-hand side but straight on the right-hand side. We called that justification, right justify the, the column. And, and it comes from this idea of to be made right. Um, and so when, when we are justified, go, go through those definitions again. We've been acquitted we 've been released or discharged from a fault or a crime we 've been pronounced not guilty uh, we 've been we 've had a, an obligation or a debt released or discharged from us we 've been set right is the idea of justification. All those things sound pretty good to me
2: you know when I think of that word justification it seemed, it carries me the idea of, of made just again when i 've sinned i 'm no longer just in the sight of god i 'm not correct i 'm not right with him anymore. But it says here in Romans 4, verses 24 and 25, that Jesus, our Lord, was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He made us just again. We messed it up, but he fixed it for us. He justified us.
1: Exactly right. And so uh, that's a really important thing to consider. And that word carries a lot of significance that we should be grateful for. Uh, we don't deserve any of these things that we're describing tonight. What we deserve, money, is to be Damned forever in hell.
2: We deserve to die and go to hell for the yeah. very first sin that we ever yeah. did, yeah. not counting the ones that came after
1: it. And then when you think about the fact that justification means that God has pronounced us now not guilty mm-hmm. if we've met his conditions and that he has excused us from the debt of sin that we owe, that's an amazing thing.
2: You know, when you think about it, as sinners, in effect, we were bankrupt, morally bankrupt. And that's what that amounted to. And so it, as a, in a physical way, we can, if we're financially bankrupt, we can go through a process, a legal process that says, okay, all these debts are wiped out. You, you, know, you don't have to pay that. You can't pay it, and it's taken care of for you. Well, that's what God has done for us. Morally, spiritually, we were bankrupt. We had debts that we couldn't pay. But God has said, I'll take care of this for you. I'll wipe all that away. You're forgiven. You're justified, as we're talking about. And you've been atoned. You've been saved. And now you don't have to worry about those debts ever again.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. So we've we've been through three important words, salvation, atonement, justification. When we get back, we're going to talk about redemption and reconciliation. In the chat room, Travis has uh, mentioned reconciliation. Hang on, Travis. We're going to get to that. That's an important word. We're going to talk about that uh, just shortly after we get back from our break. We're going to take our uh, mid-hour break and get this week's bullet point. Uh, we'll be back after this and continue what I hope you agree is an important discussion about the things, that, the words that are used in the Bible that describe what God has done for us spiritually through His
3: Son, Jesus Christ. We'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
1: This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Every year, hundreds of new businesses are started right here in our community, The Chamber of Commerce gladly reports on these new ventures in an effort to demonstrate that our local economy is healthy and growing. What they don't report quite so openly is that nearly an equal number of businesses close their doors each year. Why do these businesses fail? It's really very simple. They just do not offer services or sell products that appeal to a sufficient number of customers. In short, they go out of business because the buying public is generally apathetic about their continued existence. Whether we realize it or not, we're giving our vote as to whether these businesses succeed or fail. We do it when we make a choice to patronize a particular business or to trade elsewhere. We wonder if certain church members realize that a similar situation exists in local congregations. Some folks show an apparent apathy toward the continued existence of the church. They may attend occasionally, perhaps even most Sunday mornings. However, it's just too hard for them to make the Bible study hour, and they never return on Sunday evening. Wednesday night assemblies are absolutely out of the question. They are entirely too busy, too tired, and so forth. What these folks are doing, whether they know it or not, is giving their vote to close the doors. If it was left up to them, no one would assemble and no work would be done. Are you one of these people who are trying to put the church out of business? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias.
3: Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program.
1: And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you each week uh, at this time, Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, uh, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you want more information about the College View Church, you can find it on our website, collegeview.com. There's information there about the church, our location, our meeting times. You'll find a resource of information about uh, some past sermons that have been preached, bulletin articles that have been in our church bulletin, Um, just a lot of things there you can find out about the church. But we'd also be glad to hear from you. If you have questions, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And we'll try to supply more information, any the information you need about the College View Church of Christ. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, by all means, please uh, visit us at the College View Church of Christ. Um, Monty, we're talking about things that uh, describe our salvation. We've talked about salvation, atonement, justification. By the way, Chris and in, in England says justification is deliverance from the guilt and power of sin. It is made sure in Christ's resurrection. The significance is that I no longer I, I need no longer be bound by my old way of life or let it condemn me as my future is secure in him. So those thoughts from Chris in England about justification. We want to move on. We want to pick up another word that is a really important one in the Scripture, and that is the idea of redemption or the word redeem. To redeem or redemption Uh, I think that uh, the Bible itself provides a pretty good definition of that uh, from an Old Testament text in Leviticus 25.25. The King James Version says, If thy brother be waxen poor, and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. Now there's the word redeemed. Now, Again, that doesn't define it. What's interesting is, is an alternate English translation. The New American Standard Version says, If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. So the, the word redeemed is actually defined by looking at a different translation. To redeem is to buy back. Uh, can you think of any examples that we might think of in a, sort of an everyday application?
2: Uh, Well, yeah. When we go to the grocery store, sometimes we carry coupons with us that maybe we got out of the newspaper or something like that. And so when we go to the store and went to buy our groceries, we present this coupon. And in effect, the grocery store buys back this coupon. They give us credit for that amount of money, whatever the face value of it was. But they, that's referred to as redeeming a coupon. Okay. And so that's what that's what we're doing. They're doing in effect. They put out this piece of paper and they're buying it back from
1: us. Yeah. I was thinking of one that's probably not real common uh, to most of our listeners: uh, the, the idea of pawning something. You know, mm-hmm. let's say that uh, I've got a gun. You, you you like guns, but but pretty you know pretty hard times for money right now. I'm going to take this gun to the pawn shop, and he's going to give me say a hundred bucks for this gun. It's probably worth five hundred, but he's going to give me a hundred. He's being generous. Yeah, and uh, so. He says, okay, I'm, here's your ticket. Now, I'm going to hold this for you for a month. And so I've got the money I need immediately, this $100. Uh, but what I'm hoping is before the month is out, I can come up with that much money and more because he's going to charge me more when I go back to mm-hmm. to redeem the item. I got to, I'm going to buy it back. It was sold, uh, and now I want to get it back. I want to buy it back. So now if he gave me 100 I probably got to give him 120 or something who knows he's going to charge me more than 100 uh but that's the idea of buying back something that had to be sold or that that was lost in that manner so uh, that was a, a that was in the old testament the idea of redeeming property they were very specific about property rights in the old testament but in the new testament we have the idea of redemption found in a verse like colossians 1 beginning verse 13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So, again, we've been bought back. Again, notice repeatedly we're talking about the blood of Jesus doing it. Here, uh, we have redemption through his blood. God bought us back with Jesus' blood.
2: You know, as we look in Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He's buying us back from, from that iniquity, and he'd, do it, and he'd done it through the sacrifice of himself. You know, The price was high. Uh, the, what we'd, the mistakes we had made required a high price to get this bought back. We, we'd sold ourselves into the slavery of sin. In order to be bought back out of that, Jesus had to come and do it, and he offered his self.
1: I think that's really a good expression. You, you, we, we sold ourselves into the slavery of sin. In other words, because we were foolish enough to desire the, the temporary gratification of sinful things, we, we became enslaved to sin. Now we have to be bought back out of that slavery of sin, and God did that through the blood of Jesus.
2: But we, I think it's really important that we understand the high price that had to be paid. The only person that ever lived on this earth is sinless life. Live to maturity to be able to make those choices to sin or not. God's son, you know, God in the, came in the flesh in effect to live on this earth amongst sinful men to be brutally tortured and killed in order that I could have my sins bought back. I could be bought back from that slavery of sin. So the price was high and we need to appreciate what he done for us because it wasn't for his benefit. He could have stayed in heaven in the glorious luxury of being in the presence of the Father, but he didn't do that. He left that for me.
1: No, that's exactly right, um, Ramona in Texas says redemption is to recover ownership of uh, to recover ownership by paying a specified sum to pay off to set free to rescue or ransom. Jesus offers release and deliverance from the guilt of sin, the power of sin, and the consequence of sin. without that redemption, sinners are helplessly and hopelessly cut off from God our God. And Savior gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. That's that Titus 2 verse that you just read, verse 14. A ransom was paid to release sinners from the wages of sin. Mark ten forty five. for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, Chris in England says the, that reconciliation, um, excuse me, redemption is, we're going to talk about reconciliation next, Redemption is in the Old Testament's best illustrated in the story of Ruth, uh, a means that property could not be lost, guaranteeing a future. You remember how Boaz mm-hmm. redeemed Ruth uh, as a near relative, and and so forth. The, the property rights and marital—I um, don't know how, how would I say that. Uh, there was there there were laws in the Old Testament. There
2: was responsibilities involved there. If if you're uh, For instance, if my brother died and he didn't have any children, I was required to, in effect, take his widow as a wife and raise children in his name so that 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 family name could be carried on. That was very important uh, under the law of Moses is that be carried on. So there was responsibilities that was required there.
1: Exactly right. Uh, In the New Testament, it is a writing of an account by the payment of a ransom due. Its significance is that though we had an unpayable debt, it was paid in full, not with corruptible things such as money, uh, but by Christ's own blood. First Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Thank you, Chris. All right, so re- redemption or to redeem something, that's another word that's important to us. Um, so I think we've got time for one more. Let's talk about the word reconciliation. Travis in the chat room had suggested we needed to talk about reconciliation. Uh, he He says it is to restore favor, and I think that's probably a pretty fair definition uh I have as a literal definition of the word reconciliation to render no longer opposed to one another so you and i you and I have had a falling out money, and if we're reconciled, in other words, we really at each other we we're we're alienated we're we're angry and and have taken up opposing views uh, toward one we're not, another. We're
2: not speaking to each other. And speak- if we were in each other's company, we probably would hit each other on the end of the nose.
1: There you go. But if we're reconciled, then we are no longer that way. When We no longer have that animosity, that, that alienation or separation between us no longer exists if we've been reconciled. So, now, I think everybody ought to be able to see pretty clearly how that uh, Uh, relates to spiritual things because the one we are alienated from is God. Uh, we're, uh, a very familiar verse is Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And so, through our sins, we've been put into this horrible situation of being alienated from our God in heaven. Uh, he won't hear our prayers. Uh, He's hidden his face from us. We are alienated. You
2: know, we understand that concept, that hidden face. We don't think about so much in our day, but we understand somebody turning their back on us. You know, And that's what God has had to do when we sinned. He turned his back on us. And the reason being is because sin is such an abhorrent thing for him, it would be like us being thrown in a septic tank. I mean, we couldn't stand that. That would be disgusting. Well, that's the way sin is to God. It's that disgusting. It makes him want to vomit. And so in order for us to be in his presence again, something had to happen to reconcile us, to get this parting of ways fixed between us and God so that we could be pleasing in his sight again.
1: Exactly right. Um, we don't, Again, we don't deserve that. I think we always have to be humble and admit that we don't deserve to be in a, in a, a, a speaking relationship with God. You know, just recently uh, I was told of a situation where someone in their family had 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 quite a falling out and and family relatives weren't speaking to one another anymore mm-hmm. well that's that's a serious situation the remedy to that is some form of reconciliation to be brought back together again Well we've been brought back together again from this alienation with god second corinthians 5 verse 18 and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been brought back into a good relationship with God again um, by Jesus Christ. You know, uh, let's say that, that uh, you and I are, uh, we were describing you and I are, in, we're really mad at each other, We're, we're you know, mm-hmm. Uh, I did something and you got mad, and then I got mad because you got mad, and bad bad went to worse. And Jeff over there said, "Monty, don't be mad at Greg anymore. Put it on me. I'll accept the blame for that. You guys get back together again." So Jeff Jeff became the one who made reconciliation possible. He said, "You know, whatever Greg's done wrong, I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay that. I'll make it right. You guys get back together." You know,
2: we see an example of that. In the New Testament, uh, in the book of Philemon, where uh, Onesimus, the slave, had yeah. run away, and Paul wrote the letter to Philemon and said, "Hey, whatever he owes you, put it on my account. I'll take care of it." Yeah, because he wanted the two of them to be reconciled and have a good relationship again, and be able to get along together, yeah. and to do what they ob- to meet their obligations toward each other as as brothers in Christ.
1: Yeah, a, fl- a good the good example. Philemon, verse eighteen. If he, Onesbeth, hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account, Paul said. So he was acting as an agent of reconciliation. Jesus is that agent of reconciliation between us and God.
2: You know, it's interesting in Second Corinthians 5.18. It says that, that God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. We couldn't fix the problem. We could, there was nothing we could do to get reconciled with God. It was beyond our capabilities to take care of this, to reconcile ourselves with him. But God says, I'll take care of it. I want to be reconciled with you, and and Jesus will come, and he will be sacrificed, and he that's how we're going to take care of this. I'll do what's necessary. Jesus is God, part of the Godhead. says, I'll do what's necessary, and it was done for us. We couldn't fix our problem, but they did.
1: That's right. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got one more break to take, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. Let's take our last break, Jeff, and uh, you all stay tuned. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Remember the phone number if you want to get on with us is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. The email is questions at collegeview.com, or get in the chat room and send us a note there. The chat room is very quiet tonight. Uh, this is not a con- you know, Monty, this is not a controversial subject. Obviously, we usually get more uh, input from our listeners when we have a a controversial subject but this one i i hope people agree understanding this terminology in the bible is important and we need to be really grateful that all of these things are descriptive of our well, situation. if we
2: can't understand the terminology we can't take advantage of the gift that's been offered all right we'll be right back after this break
3: stay tuned there's more of the virtual bible study to come after these important messages stay tuned Hi, I'm Wade Shelton.
0: In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual
1: Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A poll by the Internal Revenue Service Oversight Board asked how much, if any, is an acceptable amount to cheat on your income taxes. 87% of respondents said not at all. Only 11% said a little here and there, or as much as possible. 95% said personal integrity influences them to honestly report their taxes, while 63% said fear of an audit did. Only 41% said they are honest because they believe their neighbors are also. That information is via the Huffington Post. The Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men.
3: How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The Virtual Bible Study continues.
1: And we're back for our final segment tonight. This is Thursday night, September the 4th, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study uh. We're glad that you're there. If you're listening live, if you're listening in the podcast or in an archive form, uh, we're glad that you're able to take advantage of that as well. We've got a lot of resources on the Virtual, on the virtual Bible Study website. You can go there and find uh, audio archives of all of our past programs. Uh, more than 450 episodes now are in archive form. You can do a search there and find probably a, a discussion on almost any sub- Bible subject you might imagine. Use that resource. Uh, uh, we We try to keep that updated, and uh, we hope that you will use that. We're talking about words that describe our salvation we 've talked about salvation itself, atonement, justification, redemption, reconciliation now Monty, we've got a real church word the word propitiation i don't think that i don 't think I have ever used the word propitiation except in regards to reading it in the Bible.
2: I'm reasonably certain that I haven't either.
1: Yeah. Propitiation, and I, my guess is that if we went up and down the, the streets of uh, our community and asked everybody who came to what does propitiation mean, I bet we couldn't find a single person who could give us a reasonable definition of that word.
2: Uh, probably not. It would be very. <laughs> if we did, we'd probably fall over in amazement.
1: Now, maybe a lawyer. You know, a lawyer might. They know all these words that have to do with paying for things that yeah. you've done wrong. Uh, the word propitiation means to make favorably inclined. All right, so it, to, to make propitiation is here, here's this fellow. Maybe he's not too happy with me, but something is done to make him look favorably upon me. Someone who wasn't looking favorably upon me, something is done to make him look favorably upon me. Changes his attitude toward me. He didn't. He wasn't happy with me, and now he's he's showing favor toward me.
2: You know, we can see an example of that in Psalms chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. It says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. So here this is describing people that God is not looking favorably upon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if somebody's raining uh snares, you know, when I snares, I'm thinking of a trap like you'd catch a, a rabbit or something in. And then fire and brimstone, that's a reminds me of a volcano erupting all around me, and then a horrible tempest. We think of a hurricane or something. you It's a terribly violent storm. Well, it says God's so unhappy with these people, looking not favorably on them, and this is what he's going to do for them.
1: Exactly. I don't think that people of the world, especially the lost people of the world, I don't think comprehend comprehend how serious of a situation they're in. Here's the almighty creator of the universe, and that's how he feels toward them. And then they're just blissfully going along as I mean, though. What
2: words could have used to made that more clear? How, <laughs> how unhappy he is with yeah,
1: them. Yeah, exactly right. So God, but here's the other side of that money. That's us too. We're not just talking about you know all those horrible sinners in the world. That's us too. He, yeah. looked, he looked that way on all of us when we were living in our sins. Yeah,
2: that's how he looks at us.
1: Yeah. So we're not we're not saying we're any better than the rest. But what we are saying is God has that, that he has propitiation has been made on our behalf so that he doesn't look at us that way anymore. Yeah. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, beginning verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so Jesus is the one who changed God's mind. He was he was angry with us. He was upset with us. He was not looking at us favorably. But through Jesus, that's been changed. His attitude toward us has been changed. He now looks on us with favor, not because we deserved it and not because of anything that we did meritoriously, but because of the work of Jesus. Now God's attitude toward us and the way he views us has been changed.
2: You know, and we just, I don't think in a lot of ways can competently grasp the magnitude of what He done for us, because of you know, like these words we was just talking about—rain snares and fire and brimstone and horrible tempest—I mean, those are huge things to us. Those that word picture that it paints for us is a huge deal, and that's not even really a good comparison to the to what our situation was and our relationship. Yeah, that's with just God. some
1: words that we can understand. It, we it was worse comprehend. than that. Yeah. It was worse than that. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: that's like eternity when we talk about being eternally lost or eternally saved. I can't genuinely comprehend eternity. I think I remotely understand the principle. I know what kind of what the word means. But as far as comprehend eternity, I can't do that. And that's how bad off we was. We were eternally lost.
1: I think you're exactly right. Chris in UK says about propitiation, uh, an atoning sacrifice is often an alternate translation. The fact that the cross was accepted as the means for the restoration of the relationship we have with the Father broken by the fall. Uh, Ramona in Texas, says that we have a song. There's power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. That indeed is the essence of propitiation. Luke eighteen thirteen. God be merciful to me, the sinner. The word translated merciful in that passage is also translated propitiation in other passages. Propitiation simply refers to God's mercy as it expressed through the sacrifice of His Son. All right. Real quickly, a couple more we want to cover. So again, get this list. This is a, this is a significant list. Salvation, atonement, justification, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation. Let's talk about sanctification. Sanctification, to sanctify means to set something apart, to make it special, to consecrate or devote it to a special cause. Um, I've used the illustration, and I think folks here at college, you've heard me describe this old uh, metal tray that I have in my garage it actually came out of a refrigerator years ago and for the last at least 40 years I've been using that when I change the oil in my vehicle I drain the old dirty oil into that pan Uh, I I sanctified it I dedicated it to that purpose you wouldn't want to use it for anything else now Uh, but it is devoted or set apart for a specific use now that's a nasty thing but that's the idea. Something set apart to a special devoted purpose. We have been set apart or sanctified to God's purpose for his use.
2: In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Jesus sanctified or set apart those that would be saved uh, as a special people to him. And it says he'd done that through the sacrifice that he made, that he suffered without the gate. But he set us apart. Because they, God, just like God set apart the children of Israel in the Old Testament to be a special people to Him, Jesus has done that again through His sacrifice.
1: I think you're exactly right. We should we should be careful not to imagine, though, that there's something that something. About us that deserve that, or something that that we, we you know we earned it or merited it. Uh, there's nothing here for us to brag about. The fact that God sanctified us—that's all on His part. All the honor and glory goes to Him. Notice what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-eight: "The base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen; yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him are ye in Christ Jesus." who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so, again, you, you, there used to be a, a, a little poster or something, God didn't make any junk, you know, I'm special, look how special I am. We're not special. We are uh, the, the base things of the world, uh, as described here. There's nothing in us of inherent value we deserve to be destroyed, but God sanctified us anyway. It's all, you know, all the honor and glory is to him.
2: That base things of the world has the idea that base is just a common thing. It's nothing special, nothing, anything unique or significant about it. But it even goes on to expose that, the base things of the world, which are despised. So this would be even something, you know, it's not just regular stuff. It's junk. It's, it's the junk. Yeah. And so when people say God didn't make no junk, yeah, no, God didn't make any junk but we sure junked ourselves up. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about. These common, useless, despised things that God has chosen. So it wasn't that we were special, but God chose us anyway.
1: Yeah, I I, I could get on a soapbox pretty easy here, but that really bothers me when it is suggested that we, we are special. Look how special we are. Look how wonderful we are. God thinks we are so great that he sent his own son to be our savior. That's a totally the wrong way. The way we ought to look at it is we are wretched, miserable sinners. Look how awful we are. We're so awful that the only thing that could be done to rectify our situation was for God to send his own son to die a miserable death and shed his blood on our behalf because we're just that despicable. We're not special. We're despicable. Yeah.
2: I mean, as it said here, these base things which are despised. I mean, we're yep, filthy, nasty, but God picked us anyway.
1: Yeah. I think exactly right. It's
2: in spite of ourself, not because of ourself.
1: Yeah. All right. One more word. We're just about out of time. The, the word is a very common one. I think it is a word maybe harder to understand uh, than we give it credit for, and that's the word forgiveness. Uh, we use it a lot. It's used in the Scripture a lot. Uh, forgiveness is a great blessing. Ephesians one seven in whom we have redemption through his blood. We already talked about redemption. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What what thoughts you got about forgiveness, Monty?
2: Well, we we talked a while ago about debts and having debts forgiven. You know, here's something that I owe, and that debt has been forgiven or wiped out. Well, when I think about forgiveness of sins, we understand through our legal process that when you commit certain crimes, there's a debt that has to be paid to society. Maybe it's a fine or a penalty, or maybe it's a certain amount of time in prison, but there's a there's an obligation because of our mistakes there. And if we if those debts are forgiven, then we, that, we, that obligation has been wiped out. But when we sin, it talks about the forgiveness of our sins. There's these blemishes against our soul that we put there when we disobey God. And in order to get that fixed or taken care of, to where we don't have to pay the debt or do the time or whatever the punishment was, for these things we've done, those things have been forgiven, it says, and we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So God chose through the process that he set him for, forth to his plan that our sins could be forgiven or wiped out so that we didn't have to suffer the consequences
1: of them. I, I think that's well said. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, the Hebrew writer quotes uh, Jeremiah's prophecy about what would happen under the, the, the Savior uh, through the the Messiah, and of course we're the we're the recipients of these blessings. Hebrews eight verse twelve. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more? And so we've been forgiven.
2: You know that's to an amazing. that's one of another one of those things that I have trouble really wrapping my mind around. Because like you talked about a while ago, me and you can get into an altercation, and we can be reconciled to each other, but we haven't forgot that we used to be mad at each other. Yeah. Well, we've been in that altercation with God. But he is so, something so about his character is such that when it's forgiven, as far as he's concerned, it never existed because he won't remember it anymore. He can put it completely out of his mind and it's gone.
1: All right, good.
2: And that's what we need because if it's going to be remembered, we're still in trouble.
1: All right. So here's the words. Saved means to be rescued, to put in a place of safety. Atonement uh, compensation has been paid for your wrongs. Justification—you've been—you've been pronounced no longer guilty. Redemption—you've been bought back. Reconciliation—God uh, is no longer opposed to us. Uh, Propitiation—God looks favorably toward us. Sanctification—set apart, made special, forgiven. Pretty amazing list of words that describe what God has done for us.
2: It's a special blessings that God has done
1: for us. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Chris says about forgiveness, uh, it is to release, to pardon. Has the notion of leaving it behind, to cast it away. For some, there is a linking to the washing away of sin found in certain rituals, or uh, I wouldn't call it ritual, but call it baptism. Whatever the case, the significance of it is that it is a one-time act which detaches the sin from those who are forgiven, so much so that they are taken far from us as the east is from the west and remembered no more. Uh, Ramona in um, Texas says, What is forgiveness? It's what God does when he forgives, removes it from our record. Uh, she references Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. He remembers it no more. All right. Well, I think it's an important discussion. Again, it's not a controversial uh, discussion that we've had tonight, but an important one describing the blessings that God uh, has provided for us. We didn't deserve any of that. Uh, Every one of those words, Manny, that we talked about tonight, describes something that we don't deserve.
2: What we deserved is to die and go to hell for our sins, but God didn't want that to be so for us, so he made a way that it could be avoided.
1: Exactly right. All right. Well, that's our virtual Bible study for tonight. We're glad for those of you who are listening live. We look forward to hearing from you in the future. Uh, others of you who may be listening in the podcast or archive form, uh, give, us a, give us a call, send us an email. We'd be glad to hear from you anytime uh, in regards to this topic or any other that we might discuss in the past or might discuss in the future on the virtual Bible study. If you have questions or comments, please send us an email to questions at com. Lord willing. We'll be back here again next Thursday night, same time, same place. Until that time, Jacob always encourages, read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it. We'll look forward to seeing you next week on the Virtual Bible Study.